0: All right, as we get into the scriptures, we're going to be looking at a couple of different scriptures today. The title today of today's message is Easter 24-7. Easter 24-7 And I'm not going to get into the whole uh, The whole history behind Easter And where it came from And what it is that we do with it And all this type of stuff A lot of people say that That Easter is a pagan holiday That uh, I, I saw uh, I, I have seen Many Facebook posts From different types of preachers And denominations are Saying how can you celebrate Easter how can you How can you celebrate Easter With all of these things This is a pagan ritual pagan holiday kind of the same guys that do the same thing around uh christmas time and all that type of stuff and so what i want to do today is i'm not really going to talk a lot about easter but what i want to talk to you about is what easter really means and that is we celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ we call this Easter. I don't really care what you call it, as long as you understand what it is that we do on Easter, and that is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But see, this, wouldn't, this shouldn't be, and it wouldn't be, if you have truly met him, something that we do one time a year. You see, we should celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every minute of every day. Because without the resurrection, our faith is vain. Without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. The blood poured out would have been blood poured out in vain. Just another guy who died, yeah, well... You should ask that question any meaningful person when presented with the with the story of Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross Should ask the question. Yeah Well, lots of people have died on crosses and lots of men have died. Lots of men have died sacrificially Why does this one make such a difference? Why does this one guy? Why should he get all of my praise? Why should I honor him? There's been lots of people have gone to war and died sacrificially. A lot of people have been died on, uh, killed on crosses. Why should we celebrate this one guy? The resurrection is the answer to that question. Because this is the one difference between Jesus Christ and Christianity and every other religion on the face of the earth. You see, everybody says, well, there's lots of different ways to get to God. There's all types of different roads and highways to heaven. You can have yours and I'll have mine. Wrong. Eh. There's only one way and every other way is hell and damnation. Did you hear that correctly? Gee, okay. You say that's very intolerant. (laughs) Calm down, Preacher. I could kind of be politically correct and say, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe. But let me say this, that would not be very loving of me. If I told you, your way is fine, just believe it with all that you have, knowing that it's going to take you straight to hell, well, that's not very lovely, is it? That's not loving. So let me tell you the truth. And the truth is is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way, no other way. No (laughs) man comes to the Father but by him. Meaning that heaven is absolutely cut off from the world except through one means one man one God Jesus Christ Now many of you may say well that just seems very narrow. Well narrow is the way Yes, it is. Jesus didn't he didn't rub hands. I hope they don't think it's too narrow You know, he said there is this very narrow now, what I want to say to you is, is that when you fully come into Jesus Christ and you realize the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it has a whole different impact. There are people in this room right now that are visitors. I, I don't know where you are. I have no idea. Maybe you've truly been saved and you wonder for a little while. God's calling you back. You know, we see David do that in the scriptures. We see, we see Jonah do that. We see, we see all these people, you know, they, they wander away for a little while and the Lord calls them back. But I see a lot of people in the room who I know personally who claimed for years to be Christians. They claimed that, oh yeah, oh yeah, I believe. But now they would tell me, since I've known them in the past three years, that Jesus Christ actually did a miraculous work in their life in the past three years. And they thought they were saved. They thought they knew Jesus. They thought that they had come to this thing called Christianity. But in fact, they were playing games and they were they were putting on a show. Because what a lot of people, uh, what a lot of people relate to, and what a lot of people uh, mean when they say that they do believe in Jesus is that, yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah, I, I, I can, I, okay, I can accept that. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, he died on a cross. Yeah, he's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to church from time to time. I'm a good person. Yeah, yeah, I believe all that. No, you don't. Not with your heart because when you believe something with your heart belief affects action belief affects action and when you truly believe something it makes you do different things for example and I got to get into this text over here I'll give you a quick example if I came to you Jake today and I said Jake this is Jake, Jake raise your hand this is Jake he didn't know I was going to use him in the example I didn't either If I said, Jake, if you go to the front door of the church right here and you stand with the black with the doors, the middle of the doors exactly in front of you, you open the doors and walk 50 paces, take turn right, walk 10 more, dig three feet and you will find a box with one million dollars. It is yours. If you believe now, what would you say if I actually told you that right now? You'd say, you crazy. Yeah, okay, okay. But what if you really believe me? What would you do? You'd try to beat everybody else in here to get to the to the hole, right? You see, belief, true belief. Belief that is not just, okay, yeah, that moves from your head down to your heart, and you wholeheartedly take it in, and you believe it, and you set your life according to it. It affects you, and you move, and you change. Now, what I want to do, because I may only get to talk to you one time this year, I want to help you to see that there may be, there may be a discord between you and what you say you believe. And then I want to show you why it is that you should change that, why it is that you should cry out, because he really is worthy of every part of your being, not just one, not just two, every part. Let's get into the scriptures. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. We'll also look at John eleven twenty five. 25. I want to show you three things about the resurrection that should affect you in a real and meaningful way. And that it should actually have an effect on you in so much that everything about you would change. Every aspect of your life would start to redirect itself to be centered on this one truth. If it is true, if what I'm about to tell you is true, then it should change everything. Even for the believer, because we all need more sanctification. See, every person in the room could look more like Christ. Every person in the room could be shaped to be more in the image of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So what I want you to do is I want you to start to pray. I want you to listen. I want you to say to the Lord, Lord, mold my heart. I want you to say, Lord, help me to see the truth and change me to what I need to be. You see, we just came out of a series called The Awakening where we went to the Bible and we said, how should I think about life and how should I read the scriptures and how should it affect me? How should I go about answering life's questions? And so we did a lot of that and we looked at a lot of things. And what we found was, is that we don't come to the scriptures with a pre-understanding of what they should say. We actually come with a wrong understanding of what the world says because we can't help but be impacted by our surroundings. So what we do is we come to the scriptures, we read the Bible, and we let it have its effect in us so that we then change to conform to the image of the Son, to conform to the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. And so we change to fit the Word, fit ourselves to the Word. Now, coming out of that, I told you, can you put the image up of the upside-down kingdom? We are about to start another uh, series called the Upside Down Kingdom. Now, within this, it was just going to be just a straight-up marriage series, and we will start We will still talk a lot about marriage. And so, but what I want to do is, I want to take this series called The Upside Down Kingdom and I want to show you some things. If this is your first week or maybe you've just been out of church in a little while because of whatever reason, look, I want to personally invite you back next week to start this series with us. And what I want to do is, I want to show you how Jesus Christ is straight up upside down from anything you've ever seen. Now, you might have heard a lot of preachers talk about him and I'm nothing special. But what I do like to do is, I like to go to the Bible and I I like to pull the scriptures and show show to people how that perfectly relates to your life and how it completely shows you an opposite understanding of what the world has shown you. Because, see, the world, Satan in the world, sin, flesh, this whole thing, is looking to devour you. There are marriages in the room right now that are completely upside down. There are financial situations in the room that are completely, seemingly hopeless. There are all types of relational issues in the room that you just don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. You came today. Your mom dragged you. Your wife dragged you. Your husband dragged you. For whatever reason, you were like, you know, whatever. Okay, I'll come. Whatever. Stupid preacher's going to talk. Thanks. I, you know, appreciate that. But listen, I want to tell you today that we are, today we will talk about the power of God and what he can do. But in the upcoming weeks, I want to show you how Jesus Christ gives every piece of advice that would help you to turn your world right side up. The reason it's entitled the upside down kingdom is really because we live in the upside down kingdom. Jesus Christ inaugurated the one that was right side up. Meaning this, when you live for Christ and you truly put your Christianity into practice, it makes you live absolutely countercultural or upside down, opposite, backwards from what everybody else realizes. That's why they look at you weird. That's why you stand out. That's why you are just an oddball. Amen. Praise the Lord. Dan says amen because he's really odd. Amen. 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 <laughs> I love you, Dan. I do, hey, you should look odd. If you're a believer, unless you're surrounded by believers, you should just look weird. Because your God, your Savior was weird. Amen. He was weird. Come next week for that. I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. We will talk about marriage. We'll talk about money. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, okay? So come and get involved in that. Now, let's get into scripture. i got to move on. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 I am going to read 26 verses, and then we're going to break them down just a little bit. Starting in verse 3. For I delivered to you, now this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. That's huge. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead. Now, I want you to listen to this. Am I just reading and you're just standing there? Listen to this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, telling lies about God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised you see what he's doing he's saying the dead are raised the dead are raised the dead are raised if the dead aren't raised then all of this is silliness for if the dead are not raised not even Christ has been raised second time he said that and if Christ has not been raised your faith is futile and you are still in your sins Let's see how much time we got today because that's a nugget right there. If Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. Just a little side note here. Is he talking about one day being raised over there? In that moment right there. He says if Christ has not been raised, then you are still in your sins. That's present tense. Is he speaking about something over there, over yonder? No. Seems as if. This resurrection has something to do with us right here and now. Somebody should have said, that's good, preacher. preacher. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Where you been all my life? (laughs) Listen. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, oh man, this is one of the key verses right here. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied, but in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then in his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying Every how many after destroying how many every Every, after destroying every rule and how many authority and power Every. every authority and power for he must reign until he has put how many all his enemies how many all his enemies under his feet the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, we just read 23 verses. We could just say, let's pray. We can be dismissed, our Father. (laughs) Because the word of God is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to pierce all the way down. And cut out that cancer that is strangling the life out of you right now. But let me elaborate just a little. Let's skip back i'm gonna take it in three sections. I'm not going to break it down one word at a time I don't have time to do that So what we're going to do is I want to take it in some chunks and I want to take a big bite three times Okay, so the first section that we're going to look at is first corinthians 15 3 through 11. Okay <clears throat> I want to look at these eight verses and I want to show you one simple thing right here that he hammers 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 that you can actually Take to the bank that you can hinge your life on could Somebody in the back, maybe uh, grab me a water or something. My throat is about to cave in on me, and I got to keep going for Christ, okay? <clears throat> so. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 11. I'm going to read them again real quick, okay? And then we're going to to break them down. For I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. The first thing I want to show you today about the resurrection is that the resurrection is historical fact. A lot of people speak of the resurrection. They speak of Jesus Christ. I was having a little debate, so to speak, on uh, Facebook the other day. I don't like to do it there, but I felt like I needed to do it there, you know. And and, I was about to give somebody a one-two, but I couldn't. I said, my wife is going to read this uh, later. So, you know, I I said, hold on a second here. But a lot of people want to say, well, Jesus, you know, that whole thing, that's a good story. You know, it's a good legend. that's That's a good fairy tale. And and that gives people hope and and it changes the way some people act. And if you can control people with that, hey, that's good. Use whatever you need to do to control them. But the fact of the matter is, is that that can't be true. It can't be true. Now, I don't really have the time to go into every aspect of the the resurrection. And and that's good. Thank you, brother. I'm just going to leave that open. (laughs) I don't have time to go into every evidence of the scriptures and of the historical uh, fact of Jesus Christ, life, death, burial, and resurrection, but what I want to do is I want to show you some things here that are written in the scriptures that give more evidence for the, for the historical factuality of the resurrection than you could possibly need. Now, let me just read out of the Bible here. Now, some of you might say, well, that's just the Bible. That's what you believe is true. I don't even believe the Bible is true. I'll give you just quickly why I don't care, okay? All right. Listen to this. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Listen to what the Bible says, okay? that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared now this is after the resurrection that he had died on the cross hung on the cross that he had died his his side was punctured blood and water came out meaning that he was dead all right they was going to break his legs so that he would slouch down and die uh, of asphyxiation in that moment but when they checked him he was already dead so the soldiers now these are these are trained professionals. They are trained in the art of torture torture, and know just how to keep a man alive just so that they can torture him just a little bit longer. Now, this is all they do for a living. Okay, they know how to torture someone they had ripped the flesh from his bones They had struck him just enough times that he wouldn't bleed out They knew just where to put the nails so that he wouldn't bleed out They knew exactly what to do and how to do it You see there was a little seat that they would nail onto the cross right under the bottom of those being crucified You know why you think it would be so that he would rest or relax? No, you know why they put it there? So that the person couldn't slouch down and go ahead and commit suicide. Because the way you die on the cross is not from the brutality of the cross itself. It's from asphyxiation. Meaning that when you slouch under your own weight, you put the weight of your whole body under your lungs and it suffocates you. And basically you drown or suffocate under your own weight. So what they would do is they would nail a little seat to the cross so that the the person would be able to sit, lift it up so that their their torture would last a little longer. Now, just a little side note, some would try to go ahead and come off of the seat and slouch down and commit suicide because of the brutality of the cross. You know, there was a, a word invented from the crucifixion because there was no other word that could describe the brutality of the cross. It's called excruciating, which means from the cross. So these men would try to come off of the seat and slouch down and commit suicide. You know what they would do with those guys? They would take the man's penis and nail it to the cross so that then he could not slouch down to kill himself. I say all that to say this, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly how far to take it. They knew he was dead. I tell you that because many have said, oh, he wasn't really actually dead. He swooned and passed out. They knew what they were doing. So here we are at the crucifixion. He is dead. They put him in the tomb, guarded by soldiers, professional soldiers, with a seal on the tomb. You know what the seal means? Basically, in my paraphrase, it says, the king has put this here. If you move it, you die. Everyone knew if they touched the stone, they die. You say, well, the disciples just got the guts up and they did it. Really? Go read the end of John. They were locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews. They were scared to death before the resurrection. They wouldn't have went and gotten his body. They were scared to death that they were going to get brutally murdered as well. But here we see that the scripture says, then he appeared, to Cephas. He appeared to Cephas. Then to the 12, you say, well, that's just his disciples. They could have lied about it all. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Then he adds many who are still alive. You say, what's the significance of that? You say, well, you, you can say, I don't even really believe the Bible. I don't even really believe the Bible. But the problem is Is that if this Bible would have been a lie, then there would be tons, tons of supporting documents that would have come out when the people read this. You see, these people were alive. When this was written, these people were alive. So you could go and you could say, hey, Johnny, did you actually really say he wrote this here? Is this true? Yes, absolutely. It's true. If somebody would have said, no, this is all a lie. Where are the documents? Where are they? They couldn't disprove because these people were still alive. They were were saying, yes, that's actually true. What case in the history of the world have you had over 500 eyewitnesses and you still have people saying, well, I don't know. Hmm. takes more faith to deny, if you ask me. 500 eyewitnesses, no one discrediting it. And you know they were writing about it. Because they wrote all these, they knew you couldn't, you couldn't find the body. They knew you couldn't find the body. How do I know that? Because they wrote all these theories. The swoon theory, the grave robber theory, all these different theories. So they're acknowledging. They say, yeah, the tomb was empty. We just don't know, you know, he wasn't really dead. He, blah, 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 blah. Listen, I'm not going to spend a bunch more time there. I'm telling you right now, the resurrection is historical fact. You can't deny it. It says here that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom, most of them, almost 500 people sounds like to me, they're still alive. He's saying, go ask them. Go ask these people. They're alive. They'll tell you they saw him. Though some had fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all of his disciples. So the first is, is that, uh, that he appeared to Peter, the 12 and 500 more. The second is he appeared to his brother. This is his brother. Now, some might say, well, you know, they thought it was Jesus. They got a lookalike because they wanted to start a movement. Number one, they we already know they were scared to death, terrified, and they weren't going to do anything like that. They, they would have never done that. But some have said, well, they they got courageous and they weren't got a lookalike. He appeared to his brother, too. Now, I didn't have this written down here, but I just feel like it needs to be said. If you think that... Maybe they made this up. Maybe somehow they even convinced his brother to lie. Maybe somehow, okay. I'm going to throw this in there. And at the end of John, the gospel of John, it says they were locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews. They were scared to death that what what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. But then after the first part of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when Jesus Christ comes, and he, and, or after he appears to them, but then after he comes and he gives them the Holy Spirit like he told them that he was going to give them, so he appeared to them, he ate with them, he sat with them, he talked with them, he joked with them, he let them touch him, they touched his body, they felt him, he wasn't a ghost because he was hungry. You know, he's like, man, dying on a cross will take it out of you, you got a fish? You know, I mean, I would have asked for like a pancake or something, but like he wanted a fish. So he ate fish, he drank, you know, he was alive. He's like, touch me, touch me. I'm alive. I'm right here. <laughs> now, after all of that, and after he gave him the Holy Spirit and this fire, this power came over them. And they stood up and they looked at the exact same people that had murdered Jesus Christ, who previously they were locked in an upper room like this. Oh, oh. They then stood up in front of him and said, Jesus Christ is God. We're going to kill you. Bring it. You know? Come. Come with it. Because they knew. They knew. I mean, come on. If you saw Jesus Christ standing in the flesh, would it change a little bit about what you do? It shouldn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to make a tell on yourself. Jesus Christ said, better is it for those who have not seen yet believed? He looked at Thomas and said, but you need to see. So since you need to see, here. You see, we hope in what we don't see. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Your faith should be such that you you don't need to see. You know Jesus is alive. You know how he's worked in your life. You know what he's done in your life. All of those who have been touched by Jesus Christ, that's why you live your life the way you do. It's because you've seen him in all of his glory, and he has touched you, and nobody could convince you otherwise. Amen? Come on. Jesus Christ is, is amazing. He's undeniable. The The resurrection is historical fact I could go on and on and on But I'm not going to I'm going to go to number two The resurrection is Now this is where I really want to spend a little bit of time The resurrection is completely full So the resurrection is fact And the resurrection is full Now In our day and time There's a lot of people who deny that resurrection Resurrection is possible Uh but not really in our immediate region, okay? We're in the Bible Belt, so most people you talk to, and really most people do actually believe in an afterlife. The media makes it seem like that's a dumb idea and that, you know, religious people are just idiots, and, oh, everybody knows that evolution is correct. Yeah, right. Listen, I don't have time today. You want to talk one day? Evolution is dumb, okay? I just said that from here, right? It's on camera. It's being recorded. It takes a lot more faith to believe something as ridiculous as evolution as it does a creative order, okay? So just don't, don't, go, don't go there, all right? Evolution is... Ev- evolution. What is that, like a mixture of evolution and revelation? Or radiation. It's evolution. It will kill you, all right? So, look, I want to tell you right now, though, that creationism is is pretty broadly ex- ex- uh, accepted around our area because we live in a Bible Belt. So... I don't think that number one is, is a big jump for most of you. I think you're like, okay, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. I believe in an afterlife. I believe that, I believe that when you die, you don't just cease to exist. But there's got to be something bigger than this. I mean, like if I'm it, man, this world is, you know, something's wrong with it. So I don't think that's a jump for you. But what I do believe is a jump for you is how resurrection has an impact on us right now is what I mean by this next point. So resurrection as historical fact, okay, I believe most of us are like, yeah, okay, okay, I got that. Now I want to show you that, that the, resurrection, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is full. Meaning by that is that <clears throat> it's the hope for both lives, both this life and the next life. I, I think that many of us, if we read this scripture right here, I want to show you this starting in 12. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Many of these guys were having a problem with the resurrection from the dead and this whole idea of an afterlife and coming back and, <clears throat> and all of that. I don't think that most of us have a problem with the afterlife and coming back. I think most of us have a problem with the life here. I think most of you as believers would probably say, oh man, I can't wait till this life's over so I can start living. Man, one day, I've, I've had so many, so many people come to me, you know, especially who are in a trial, especially who are, man, one day, preacher, one day I'll be out of this and, and I'll get to actually start living. One day, one day over there, one day when God sets me free, I, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get over there. That's not what the Bible teaches That is not what the Bible teaches. If that's where you're living, I am so sad and hurt for you. I live there sometimes. I know how it feels. But that is not where Christ wants us to live. You say, where do you find that in these scriptures? Let's read. Now if christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead Then not even christ has been raised raised and if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain And your faith is in vain We could still at this point think that he's only talking about the afterlife the life that comes after this life The spiritual life that comes after this physical life. You see that's a platonic dualism right there We want to we want to make everything physical or everything that we can see feel and touch is something that's bad and going away and we can't wait till this goes away so that we can start the real life. But that's not The Bible doesn't have dualism like that. It it doesn't separate it out quite like that. So we keep on reading and we see here, we say, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Now listen to this. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins you are still in your sins right now meaning on the flip side of that let's just take what the bible says if it says if if the if, if christ hasn't been raised from the dead it means your faith is futile and you are still in your sins let's take the opposite truth that that reveals if christ has been raised from the dead your faith is not futile and you are not now in your sins You are not now in your sins. It it even gets better, though. Let's continue. It says, it continues, Then those who have fallen asleep uh, in Christ have perished. If he's not been raised from the dead, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You see, if Christ has been raised from the dead... Then what that tells us in this verse, let's look at the other side of it, is that those who have fallen asleep, in other words, what he's saying here is that those have, who have taken a break for a little while, those who have ceased to be alive on this side, those who have fallen asleep, those who have died on this side, okay, then that's, it's all in vain. If Christ has not been raised, then they're gone. It's done. They're dead and that's it. But what's the other side of that? Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You see, but the other side of that is, is that if if Christ has been raised from the dead, then they haven't perished. They've gone asleep, and it will be yet but a little while and we will see them again if we know Christ. Because Jesus Christ raised from the dead and defeated death. Therefore, they are not gone completely, but they have simply made a transition from life, to life. From life into life. It's not two completely different things. Those who have come to know Christ have started to live and their life has just become fuller now. Their life has become fuller now. Let's read on. This is the one right here. So he, he is talking about those who have died and gone on before us, or those that will die, that they will be raised, that their life doesn't end here, but it begins here and then blossoms once they know Christ, Romans chapter 8, when we come into the fullness of Christ, when we are uh, fully adopted as sons of God, okay? But he goes on here, it's not just about the other side, though. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now, he addresses this... In the opposite way that you need to be addressed, because your problem is not thinking that one day we will be uh, that we will be glorified with him or that we will live. You actually don't have a problem with that, most of you anyway. We uh, have more of a problem of understanding that we will live today. You see, is everybody following that train of thought here? Is everybody following that? This is yes. This is no. <laughs> all right come on let's let's rewind a little bit because i want you to get this i want you to get this you you look like you're not getting it even when you suck your head like this listen to what he says to these guys in the corinthian church who had a hard time believing in life after death and the resurrection from the dead if in christ we have hope in this life only see they had hope in that life Man, they were living the faith. It was, it was real in their lives. They had seen Jesus alive and well. He had appeared. They didn't have a problem with, you know, they, at this moment right now. But they were starting to forget. They were starting to wonder about that day out there. So he says, look, I know you've got hope in this life. I know you're living right now. I know you've got hope in this life. But you've also got hope in that life. You've also got hope in that life. But here in our day, this same teaching, same meaning I'm not changing anything. I just want to apply it a little differently because right now a lot of us, we only have hope in that life and not in this life. We're longing for our faith to be realized and we haven't realized it. We're waiting for life to start out there. And we don't have hope in this one right here. We're living as defeated. We're living as if, I can't wait till that day. I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait till I finally get to be there with someone or out of this pressure or out of this death or out of this pain. But that's not, no. Paul says that your belief in the resurrection should take you to a full hope that you would live today and tomorrow, that you would live in this life and the next life, that in all things we would live. Death cannot hold you. Death has no right to you. Oh, death, where is your sting? You have been swallowed up in victory. How many of you live in death today hoping that life will happen tomorrow? Why, child of God. Do you not know that Christ died for you and rose again for today? It is time to start living today. This is the resurrection message. The last point uh, that I want to make is this, and the band can go ahead and start to head this way. Is that the resurrection is historical fact. The resurrection is completely full for this life and the next. You don't have to wait to experience freedom. I feel like the Lord just wants me to say one more time don't wait to experience freedom. How many of you are in bondage today? Even those of you who say, I'm a Christian, you say you believe and maybe you do that's not for me to judge a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears you take a look in the mirror and you judge for yourself you compare your life to the scriptures and you judge but you don't have to live in defeat I mean if you're not a child of God and you've never come to Christ you've never been born again then you can't live in victory there's only defeat for you I would invite you to the cross I would invite you to salvation salvation Have those shackles taken right off, thrown to the side so that you can fly, so that you can be. But child of God, child of God, you're picking those shackles up and putting them back on. You're returning like a dog to its vomit. You're you're going backwards. Christ never meant for you to live in defeat today. I know you've been through pain. I know you've been through struggle. I know you've been through trial. But his death on the cross paid for it all. He'll hold you together by the word of his mouth. Step into the fullness of life, which is Christ. The last thing I'm going to talk about is the resurrection is final. It's fact, it's full, and it's final. Three F's. How about that? I'm like a regular preacher today. Fact, full, and final. Listen, the resurrection is the final nail in the coffin of death. You don't have to worry. You see, (laughs) many of you come, and I know I've been there. I return sometimes, too, and vomit tastes awful. But sometimes I I look at my current situation. I look at my circumstances. I look at things that are going on in my life, you know, and and I've not been through anything like a lot of my friends, and a lot of my loved ones have gone through. But I even look at my circumstance, and I say, I do believe in Jesus, but I just don't know if he's big enough for this one. I don't know if he can handle it. You know many of you husbands in the room, you know, you want to be a good husband. You want to do what's right. You want to be there for your wife. You want to be you want to be a good daddy. Ladies in here, you know, you want to be the wife and the mommy that you want to be. You want to be the believer You know, but you got all these things that are holding you back. you got all these questions that are holding you back. Maybe let's go all the way back to number one. Maybe you're having just a hard time accepting the resurrection and the supernatural because it seems out of the ordinary. Well, it is. It's supernatural. Christ is big enough to cover that. Christ is the final product. Jesus Christ is the final nail. Jesus Christ is your final hope. You don't have to have more hope. You don't have to have another hope. The Bible says, but in fact, you see, there was all these questions. And he was addressing their disbelief in a resurrection or that final day to come to where they would be set free. And he said, look, I know you're hoping in this day, but you have hope in that day too. You have a full hope. And there's no need to question whether or not he raised from the dead. Heck, there were so many eyewitnesses, it would be crazy for you not to believe. The only thing standing in the way is you. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, when Jesus Christ got up from the grave, so did a lot of others. He's the first fruits. If he has secured for us resurrection from the dead. You see, the reason, those of you who don't know Christ, the reason that you're always in trial and torment, the reason that you're always in fear and and damnation and condemnation, the reason that you're always trying to find a way out of it is because you're still under it. Under what? The penalty of death. Death has you. He has a right to you. And you will be his. But through Christ, the penalty of death has been fulfilled. There's no more need to die. Someone died in your place. Well, if you died and Christ died, though you believed in him, that would be double jeopardy. Christ died for you. You see, and he raised and said, In fact, he has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority, and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus Christ said in John 11 25, he didn't say, I brought the resurrection, or I showed you the resurrection. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Whoever believes, for for anyone who believes, though he dies, yet he will live. He will live. Are you living today? You've come to an Easter service at the well. I told you I was going to give you the gospel because I may not see you again. I hope I see you next week. I don't know why I wouldn't. I hope I see you next week. But you know, let's don't look at next week. Let's look at right now. Where are you? You. Look at your neighbor and say me. Go ahead. Look at your neighbor say me. See, we shouldn't be wondering where they are. Where are you Where are you? Are are you alive today? Have you been brought from death to life? Has your chains been broken? Have you been set free? Those of you who have been coming here for three years, examine yourself to see whether or not you'll be in the faith. I'll examine myself. For even Paul says, for I have not yet made it. Let us press on then to what God has called us to. As we all stand to our feet, you've been presented with the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Though you did not deserve it, he paid the price. He experienced condemnation, though he was perfect. He experienced death, though he had no sin. He experienced the pain, though he had, though he had done nothing wrong. So that you could experience life, you sinner so you could see though you were blind and that God might set you free though you should have been condemned for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us the altar is open we'll have an invitation at this time and I want you to know that Jesus Christ longs for you to have a relationship with him that you might be set free even today Come, respond as he has called you in your heart of hearts. Come.